Blog Talk Radio. All right, I'm going to end the um, audio this, uh, this evening. We're having a little bit of uh, technical issues in the area with some inclement weather, and I think that's affecting uh, the signal now. But anyways, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, and we've got a great show for you tonight. Uh, we are live uh, every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central or 7 to 9 uh, p.m. Eastern for those of you on the East Coast. Um, we've got a great show for you tonight. We're not going to be doing the Coach's Corner segment as we normally do at the beginning of the show. Instead, I've got a great uh, group uh, on a panel here from the Adaptive Golfer Summit Group. And I'm going to introduce those in just a moment. But let me just remind everybody, as I said, we are live uh, here for the moment anyways uh, on blogtalkradio.com network. Easiest way to find us is go to blogtalkradio.com, type Golf Talk Live up in the search key, and that will take you to the main page and to the live broadcast. But for some reason, if you're not able to join us live, not to worry. Just go to uh, blogtalkradio.com, Golf Talk Live, and just scroll down to the on-demand section, and you'll see the previously aired uh, shows there, and you can listen to them when it's convenient for you. Uh, if you want to speak or call to, into the guests at any time during the live broadcast, you can do so by calling in at area code 646-716-4667, or you can reach out to me personally if you want. If you've got any questions or comments about the show, uh, you can do so by uh, reaching out to me at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. Or, or if you're somebody in the golf industry and you're interested in being a guest on the show, uh, you can also reach out to me there at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com and as always i update on social media on facebook and twitter and linkedin as well my uh, facebook page is golf talk live blog make sure you have blog on there and my twitter handle is ted and buck ceo ceo being capital letters and uh, also on linkedin.com uh, under my personal name which is ted Odorico. Uh, so you can find it there always update the shows with all of my uh, upcoming guests and and who's going to be on each and every week so uh, go to any of those uh, social media outlets, and uh, you'll get uh, updated on what's happening on uh, Golf Talk Live. Uh, as I mentioned, we're not going to have Coach's Corner tonight, but we are going to have a very special uh, group on this evening from the uh, Adaptive Golfer Summit. Uh, Jenna Rogis is, is going to be joining us uh, here in just a moment as, with a, a group of uh, friends and a business associates that she's put together uh, in this summit. And uh, as you may recall, a few weeks ago, Jana was uh, on with Cindy Miller and I, LPGA professional Cindy Miller and I, on the Women of Golf show on Tuesday morning uh, from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern. She was on a few weeks ago and sort of set the, the groundwork for tonight. And then tonight she's brought, uh, as I said, a group of associates of hers um, who are, are going to talk about in a little bit more detail uh, about the Adaptive Golfers uh, Summit and uh, some of the various programs available out there for, for those uh, that uh, – fall into that category. So we're going to talk a little bit about that here in just a moment, but let me uh, go through the, the motions, if you will, and read out a little bit on, on each of the uh, uh, guests joining me here tonight. As I said, Gianna Rogis, uh, known worldwide as the one-handed lady golfer and founder of Adaptive Golfers. And you may recall, uh, as I said, when she was on a few weeks ago, she was born in 1962 in Bath, Maine. Uh, she has a challenge. She was born without uh, fingers on her left hand. Uh, her father being a, uh, a Navy uh, um, person uh, traveled uh, like any other military family uh, had to relocate every few years so it was a very uh, difficult time uh, growing up obviously having to to move and and uh, make new friends as she went along um, and it was obviously uh, a difficult time uh, growing up as well with some of the challenges that she was facing but being the new kid and only having uh, one hand often made her a target of course of, of bullying 
Uh, once she was even pushed into her locker at school, she mentioned on the show before uh, and was in there for several hours. So those types of events, of course, were very difficult for her growing up and obviously never forgotten. Um, but on the upswing, she's used that, uh, some of those circumstances to help mold her character and fuel her desire to be uh, able to help those that were facing similar challenges like the one she faced as a child. And uh, back in the early um, 70s, she was the poster child for the state of Florida from 72 to 76. Uh, a child who needs a hand gets one when given to the March of Dimes uh, was the tagline to help raise awareness and funds for the research to help prevent birth defects. Uh, Gianna received some uh, of the testing that was support, supporting through research and about why so many more babies were born with limb uh, deformities. At one of the national photograph uh, shoots that she did in Florida, uh, Gianna met uh, the king of golf, the uh, late Arnold Palmer, and uh, little did the little girl know that uh, golf would, uh, would be such a passion in her life uh, as she got older. We're going to talk a little bit about that when she comes on. Uh, also uh, joining on the show is David Windsor. He's the uh, PGA of America teacher professional and expert adaptive golf coach. Let me just tell you a little bit more about him as, as well. Uh, David, uh, David instructed uh, many adaptive golf classes on a weekly basis for the physically and cognitively challenged juniors, adults, and disabled veterans since 2000. Uh, David is considered to be one of the country's foremost experts in teaching challenged uh, individuals, or as they say, adaptive golfers. In 2007, David co-founded Adaptive Golf Tampa and Every Friday Golf Clinic in collaboration with James A. Haley Veterans Hospital, uh, serving patients and uh, inpatients and outpatients in the recovery and community transitions. Uh, also joining uh, tonight on the panel is uh, Roger Sack. Uh, he's played uh, for the last several years. Uh, he's played golf and, and enjoyed it and works as the Director of Sports and Recreation Advocacy for the Central Florida Chapter of Paralyzed Veterans of America. Uh, and he received a, uh, a paramobile from the Independence Fund and Stand Up and Play Foundation five years ago. Uh, golf has changed his life, he said, and thanks to Anthony Netto, who was also a guest here on Golf Talk Live from the Stand Up and Play Foundation, he has been able to teach adaptive golfers for the last four years uh, with the Paralyzed Veterans of America at the Stand Up Play Foundation and works as their advisor with adaptive golfers. Uh, also on the panel tonight is Mary Beth and uh, uh, Koberger. She is a... Um, lost my place here... Uh, she's a PGA professional and a WITS uh, certified personal fitness trainer. Uh, she began as a junior golf many years ago and has been a golf instructor for 30 years. She taught over 10,000 students and ran over 250 different golf programs. And in 2008, she opened her uh, own golf school to the T. She's married to PGA uh, member uh, Robin Koberger, uh, the head professional of the Newton Country Club. And uh, also on the panel as well is uh, Chris or actually, I apologize, Chris is not uh, going to be with us tonight, um, and hopefully we'll have him on another time. Uh, last but not least is Darren DeMalley. He is the owner and lead instructor of the Double D Golf Academy located in Harborview uh, Golf Course in Little River, uh, South Carolina. And let me just tell you a little bit more about him as well. Uh, the Academy is also the home to the Myrtle Beach chapter of the Stand Up and Play Foundation, where Darren uh, is the program director. Uh, Darren has been a PJ professional for almost 20 years and maintains many certifications, including adaptive golf. The Double D Academy maintains a, a paramobile golf unit, which allows uh, paraplegics and other individuals without the use of their legs to stand up and play golf. Uh, this not only assists with the ability to play golf, but also has served a uh, as a tremendous therapy 
uh, for many of the uh, challenged golfers as well. So uh, without further ado, and uh, that's uh, all of the uh, intros for, for my guests, please welcome to the show uh, Roger, Mary Beth, uh, Darren, David, and of course, Jonathan. Welcome, guys, to Golf Talk Live. Oh, well, thank Hi. you very much. Uh, <laughs> that's a mouthful. I, yeah, it was. <laughs> It was. I apologize if I omitted anything or if I, I missed uh, something, guys. Uh, it was a lot to, to read out, and, but I appreciate you guys coming on. Um, John, I'm going to start with you, if you don't mind, um, just to maybe first talk about how you, uh, and why you put this summit together uh, and with this particular group, maybe give a little bit of highlight of some of the individuals here that are on the show, um, and then we'll, we'll get into some, uh, a little bit uh, more questions as we, as we continue on. Sure, Ted. Thank you very much, first of all. Um, Thank you for the opportunity. Um, I'm very honored that I get the opportunity to bring a little bit of light upon the adaptive golf subject as it it is. Um, I was, like I said, uh, or you mentioned, I was born with no fingers on my left hand. And the only reason why I wanted to go out and play golf was just because my husband was playing so much. Um, I went out and tried to find someone who could teach me adaptive ways of, you know, learning to play golf, and um, there really wasn't anybody. So um, I had a friend of mine, uh, which you've already had on the show, Pat Roquet. She mm-hmm. challenged me to kind of take take this to an, the next step. Um, I learned how to play golf by adapting what people could teach me, but there was no one to teach adaptive golf out there. There wasn't somebody that I knew of. It wasn't anybody that I was aware of. This is going back 15 years ago, maybe. And um, right. she she said, well, well, you know what? You've got something here. You've learned how to, you taught yourself how to play golf based upon what other people could teach you. There wasn't a one-handed golf instructor out there. So I came up, and between her and I, we came up with the idea that, you know what, maybe there should be a resource hub for people who have challenges, no matter what they are, mm-hmm. that we could kind of well, let me ask. go and go ahead. Go ahead, please. Well, I, I, I wanted to put together an opportunity where people, me, the golfer, um, could find the resources that we need no matter what our category, if you want to say, or labeling is. Um, and that's kind of how this whole thing just got started. And it just seems to be snowballing into something that is, I don't have one particular initiative. I'm not uh, a golf instructor. I'm not, I'm the golfer. So I'm right. out there trying to find resources to bring to the golfers so that they can say, okay, well, I'm a veteran, I'm an amputee, uh, I'm blind. I mean, there's so many amazing initiatives that are out there and so many wonderful organizations that are out there, but they each have their own initiative. So I'm coming from the golfer standpoint, which is a little bit more, I can't say that I have, I'm not an it. I don't have one initiative. All my initiative is is to try to find the resources and bring together a collaborative effort of all the resources that are out there for people who have challenges. 
Let me ask you, um, Jonna, to, to share a, a story that you shared before on the other program uh, about the young girl um, who has drawn some inspiration from what you're now doing. Um, you shared this with Cindy and I a few weeks ago. Uh, I'd really like you to share that story, story just to kind of put things in perspective a little bit for the audience. Okay. Well, um, I had the opportunity to speak at a golf expo up in Saratoga Springs, New York. And I arrived, you know, wee hours of the late night, uh, wee hours of the morning, the day before the expo started. And I was given a booth, and I was given the opportunity to speak. And... We had some news people that came in to cover my stories the day that I got there. And uh, they aired the news, and this little girl who was 13 years old, who's very removed, very recluse, she didn't have, um, she doesn't have a lot of confidence to get out there. And... Uh, the mother and her were watching the news this evening, and the girl saw me out there swinging a golf club because that's what they covered. And after the newscast was over, she said to her mom, she said, can, do you think maybe I can learn to play golf? And for me, I came in the next morning unbeknownst of what was going on. I didn't, I didn't even get to see the newscast because they, they – aired it before I even got out of the expo. And the next morning, this mother, this woman comes up and grabs me and hugs me, and she's shaking and crying, and and she said, you know, you, I have to tell you how much of an inspiration that you are. My daughter has less of an arm than what I have. I only have my fingers on my left hand missing. She's, a, I guess, above the elbow. Right. And she said that she's 13 years old, and she has... She doesn't really have a lot of self-confidence. She doesn't put herself out there to get, doesn't even want to get picked for the team because then she's not sure if she can even do that. So the fact that she saw me on the news and then told her mom, hey, do you think I can learn to do this? To me, just that's that's when I get my gift back, <laughs> when that happens. Um, here's this little girl who has no confidence and I was that 13-year-old girl. I got, like you mentioned earlier in the introduction, I got beat up. I got picked on. They call it bullying now. Um, but here's this little girl that maybe now, because of golf, just as the, the the tool, not necessarily it's because of golf, but it's the tool to help her get out and be able to do something that everybody else is doing. She's included. Um she doesn't have to wait to get picked for the team because guess what? Those girls that are making fun of her are standing behind her going, oh, my God, this lady's hitting a golf ball or this girl's hitting a golf ball. So, um, yeah, it's it's when something like that happens, it's when I get my gift back. But right. I'm hoping that I can inspire a few more people that are sitting around thinking, well, you know what, I can't, but you can if you want to. And golf is just the tool, but it goes way far beyond that. It's improving the quality quality of life, sorry, <laughs> and it's also giving back or or regaining or instilling dignity 
and confidence for somebody like that 13-year-old girl that doesn't want to get out there thinking she's not going to get picked. Right, and 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 as you I get pointed a little out, emotional you want to... about it. Sorry. <laughs> right. No, that's that's quite all right. Totally understandable. Um, obviously, you want to position yourself as a spokesperson, um, you know, in, in that area to be able to 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 foster and encourage um, other young girls and even other adults uh, who may be faced with with similar challenges that you have, and in some cases even uh, more intense challenges, uh, to know that they're still things for them that they can do um, in ways that golf has, has done for you. And, and Roger, I want to bring you into the conversation because, um, you know, I had Anthony Neto, as I mentioned here a few weeks back, and uh, I know that um, you're very familiar with Anthony and you've worked with Anthony, um, but you obviously have, um, have your own challenges. I want you to talk a little bit about your challenges just to give a perspective to the, for the audience and then um, talk about some of the things that you're doing and how you've been able to uh, sort of get back into the game of golf um, through uh, great foundations like the Stand Up Foundation and how you're uh, working through the, um, the Central Florida chapter uh, for Paralyzed Veterans of America and some of the work that you're doing there. Um, Roger? Yeah, uh, a little over 25 years ago, I got hurt in the military, uh, injured my neck, and uh, it affected my, my extremities from the neck down where I had weakness and a little strength in the right side. And so I've been in a wheelchair for 25 years now. But 10 years ago, I was invited to, uh, to come out. Uh, some friends were going to go play golf at a public course in West Virginia. And uh, they said, hey, we're going to go play. Do you want to go? Uh, I guess you can ride along. I said, no, if I'm going to go, I'm going to play. I didn't right. really play golf, but I was going to figure out a way to play. <laughs> so... Uh, I found out that one, they didn't have accessible carts. I had no concept right. of, of really how to hit a ball out of a chair, but it was challenging enough. I like challenges. Um, so I would drag my cart, my chair beside the cart, and transfer to the cart, hit the ball, and get back in. And if you transfer in and out of this cart for a long time, uh, 18 holes, you're, you're totally exhausted by the end of the time doing transfers in and out. About five years ago, uh, you know, I was introduced to the uh, Paramobile and uh, through Stand Up and Play and uh, the Independence Fund. And so one of the things that I found was this was a, a tool that gave me the ability to stand up and hit the ball properly, but also it eliminated my fatigue factor of having to transfer from one cart to the chair and back again. And it made golf right. fun. And a year after getting my carts, I had a stroke. Uh, but mm. I love playing golf. And golf became my rehab tool because I was a two-armed player and I was determined that I was going to play two-armed again. And through help with from what I learned through Anthony and Santa from Play and some other professionals, going out and playing on a regular basis and was the encouragement that I needed because I was out playing with other disabled veterans and non-veterans with my new disability, but continuing my love for golf. And through that, we discovered, you know, there's a lot of people who uh, are elderly who played the game of golf for years and now don't have the ability to, uh, to stand up and play 
but they would love to gain. And we have people who are in rehab right now that have lost their opportunity to be able to be uh, to find a, a tool to get them back into life and find a new new enjoyment in life. And the third one was uh, through golf. We realized that you know golf had been uh, there were a lot of inaccessibilities. We didn't have enough uh, trained adaptive golf instructors in the country. Didn't have enough adaptive golf equipment in the country as far as carts on courses around the country, and the attitudinal barriers, uh, you know, that are still there, that the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act, address. So, this was some of the the tools that we found as a resource, being an advocate for veterans and non-veterans through adaptive golf, that has uh, brought us with uh, to Gianna. Uh, and adaptive golfers. It is a tool now that, you know, we have, we're increasing the numbers of adaptive golfers in golf instruction. We're increasing the awareness of having a good accessible course and the need for adaptive carts uh, so that people don't get pressure sores and, and buying and finding the right cart that suits the needs of that course. And uh, taking some of the fears out of, uh, disabilities and putting abilities in people's minds in the golf world. Right. And, and, you know, Anthony had talked a lot about that as well when he was on the show a few weeks ago and he talked about with the uh, paramobile, how, uh, as you just pointed out, relieved a lot of the the pressure uh, off of areas of of the body that normally um, would, would, you know, have issues um, not being able to stand up. And that's why I think there's been such success um, with with veterans like yourself. And, and by the way, thank you, um, uh, Roger, for your service. Uh, it's always appreciated, thank the uh, uh, folks in the military, all of the, the service that you give. Um, uh, Mary Beth and, and David, I want to bring you into the conversation because you are sort of on the other side of the spectrum. Uh, you're both golf professionals. You work in, uh, worked in the business for, for many, many years. And, and Mary Beth, I'm going to go ladies first, obviously, but um, I'm going to start with you. This is something that, that okay. really... Um, has kind of not been in the forefront uh, in the golf industry. I'm also a golf professional as well, and this is really an area that's fairly new, um, you know, to the PGA and even the LPGA. Um, And there's a lot of instructors, as as Roger just mentioned out there, that are not certified adaptive uh, golf uh, instructors. And, and David, I'm going to get you to talk a little bit more about that in just a moment. Mary Beth, talk about really – you know, how new this is and, and what are some of the programs that are currently available through uh, the golf profession? Okay. If, if any. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's not a lot. It is new. It's never really been tapped into before uh, very much. I mean, they've had the uh, veterans program, but nothing much, nothing really structured for kids. Um, so, so it's brand new, I think in that way, but, the things that are out there right now that I think we could do with with, uh, with the junior part of this is actually the classes that we already run and the leagues that we already run, the PGA Junior League, things like that. Um, the camps is is kind of encouraging that these children could be in these classes, and it would be good, you know, for both them and the other kids. There's a lot, you know, that both would get from this. Um, you know, to see, like Gianna said with herself, when that – little girl saw her doing it with one hand, she was like, wow, then I can do this. Or a kid that, you know, maybe sees a kid doing something 
when they do have some sort of a disability and they're able to still do it, it might inspire them a little bit and make them realize, hey, these are, you know, people just like us. And they may have to do it a little differently, but, hey, they're still out here playing golf like we are. Yeah, so and, and golf, as, as Roger pointed out, you know, right, golf is very therapeutic. Um, and, Gianna, you have mentioned that as well, and, and as did Anthony when he was on the program a few weeks ago. Um, David, I want to bring you in here as as, um, as our, our active uh, golfer coach. Now, you've um, sort of risen to the challenge, if you will, and have become certified in that. Talk to us a little bit how it differs from sort of traditional coaching uh, and, and what's sort of involved in, in, in becoming an adaptive golf coach? Hey, that's a great question. Good there. Good one there, Ted. Um, and, yes, and I know you, uh, you're an experienced coach. Um, the way it looks, you're involved with the U- USGTF. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so I know, uh, you know, when, when you're approaching a student or, you know, they're more or less approaching you looking for a lesson, uh, you know, it's uh, it's really up to us to find out a few different things from a student's learning style, uh, their expectations, and in this case, uh, when we're dealing with uh, with folks from uh, with with all different abilities, we want to find out what those exactly are and and what might be uh, holding them back. If they're you know have a weakness on the left side or right side, uh, balance disorder. Um, you know, you name it. You can. Uh, you want to be able to build rapport with that student, and um, and it's. I mean, it's. It's not just hey, let's help your golf swing. Uh, you know, it's individual per- at first. I mean, it's the person first, um, and you know, it's that relationship building. And once that's there, uh, you can cover a lot of ground in a short period of time. So with, with you know, uh, David, say, one, of the, new one group, of the things that. No, go ahead. No, no, go. Sorry, I I wasn't sure if you. No, please finish your thought. I I thought you would had stopped, so I wanted to ask you a follow up question. But, but go ahead, please continue. Oh, I can stop and go anytime. But uh, no, with, no. So if you're addressing a new group and you know you have uh, some coaches to your left and coaches to your right, which is uh, you know certainly a key aspect, you want them to also convey that message to hey, let's all you know get into a small group setting and figure out you know what is. Um, you know, what should we look for? You know, if somebody, you know, does have a new prosthesis on their left side and they're a right-handed player, you know, we don't want someone just to, you know, we don't want to just give them a golf club and say, hey, go ahead and take a swing and then have them stumble. We want to, you know, start, you know, from uh, really from the ground floor and, and work, uh, work their way up, make it comfortable for everybody. I want to, I want to, David, maybe you can, and, and Mary Beth, please, um, this is sort of open mic, if you will, so feel free to, for really, for anybody to jump in and, and add uh, any comments they want. But let's talk about uh, David and Mary Beth and, and, and John and, and Roger and, and Darren, of course. Um, let's talk about some of the misconceptions um, that, are, that are sort of floating out there. Um, David, I'll start with you, and then, and then Darren, I want you to, uh, to jump in as well. First thing that comes to mind uh, from a, from a golf course operator standpoint is they feel uh, it's just going to slow down play. There's not enough, um, you know, adaptive for golfers out there to really market to. And a lot of them then have uh, put, put it on the back burner 
uh, from the standpoint of looking at an accessible car and doing some things um, to make their course more accessible. They feel like, oh, well, you know, they're not playing here. I don't see them. They're not calling me every day. But there is certainly a growing number of golfers of uh, different abilities that are just waiting for uh, golf courses to become more accessible. And, uh, I mean, one trend, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's moving from the back burner to the front burner quite quickly, and that's the United States Golf Association uh, moving ahead to scheduling a, um, a, a national initiative for, for Disabled Golf Tournament in 2020. And they are now examining uh, programs across the country, which between the panel that you have on, on with us tonight, I uh, know quite a bit about. And uh, they're looking to really make a surge to, to really find this population. Uh, and we're going to soon see even more coming out of Woodward to play. So um, we, can, we can combat against those, uh, those hesitations and um, those misconceptions. Uh, I can come up with an answer for those. But I'll let some of time in. Well said. Um, Jonah, why don't you just give us a, a very quick rundown? I know you, you may not have them in front of you, but um, just so that people understand just how many individuals out there that sort of fall into this category. You know, we were talking about some of the stats um, that you had, had come across from, uh, I think, one or two of the universities here in the United States. And you had talked about just, um, just how many um, – you know, uh, challenged individuals there are here just in the United States alone, um, many of whom that obviously uh, could very well have access to golf if the golfing community would just sort of open their, their arms, if you will, and, and, and be a little bit more assertive. And, and Mary Beth and, and Darren, I want to get you to, to talk about that as well. But just uh, talk about some of the numbers, if you wouldn't mind, uh, Jonna. Well, actually, um, because you just mentioned that, I'm actually looking for those numbers right now. But, I mean, they were astounding <laughs> numbers. I remember when we talked, um, Cindy Miller um, was totally flabbergasted by the amount of numbers of people that have challenges. And we broke it down into, uh, you know, how many women, how many children. One of the things that Mary Beth and I are, are working on is even just on a local level, trying to find out exactly how many um, how many children that are in the school system that are special needs children or or have challenges that um, you know that they could actually benefit from the fact that they have an opportunity to go out and do something that everybody else is doing um, and uh you know, pardon me if I if I have to take a moment to fumble for that, but um, I, I That's think okay. actually, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I seem to recall, and I'm just going from. It was in the yeah, it was it was it, there were very astonishing numbers of people that have challenges from all different age groups. It was a yeah, I think it was and the, uh, yeah, I think it was something like twenty yeah. Twenty wasn't it Clemson University or no. Yeah, I mean, Clemson University. Yes. After yeah, the Clemson one I believe was 56 million with disabilities across the board in the U.S. But they were looking at uh, approximately like 20 percent um, of that. 20, yeah, 22 maybe about yes. You know, and they they point out that there are six million just in the veterans category. Six million with some form of uh, disability. 
Why do you think, um, and I want to ask this sort of as, as a general question, um, you know, why do you think that, I mean, obviously we're seeing more and more happening uh, with, with the veterans now, which I think is fantastic, um, but, you know, some of the challenges that, that you, you know, we've expressed here tonight and, and that you guys have talked about in your summit um, have, have been here for decades and decades and decades, um, and I don't know whether there's any you know, I guess one answer, but it, it seems to me that you would think that golf being as therapeutic as it is for, for so many people, um, you know, and John, we've talked about this, golf really mimics life in so many ways. Some of the challenges that we face yeah. out in the golf course uh, are very, uh, yeah. but I, I guess I'm kind of dumbfounded when I think about this as an industry that's been around as long as it has, um, you know, David and Mary Beth and, and Darren, um, you know, being in the golf industry as well, that why has the industry been so slow um, to adapt themselves to, to this particular need? I mean, it's not like it just sort of, you know, like a puff of smoke it happened here, you know, today. It's something that's been around for a long, long time. And with so many other industries that have adapted um, and businesses that have adapted i'm just kind of confused as to why it's taken so long do you think is there any thoughts or, or comments that you guys want to make um as to why maybe the, the golf industry has has sort of been slow out of the gate on this one okay um well, part of it part of it i think um the first golf is very traditional and people think of it as one set kind of this is how it is um but also i think the equipment I don't think most people, including myself still a little while back, were you know, aware that there's special equipment that you can use that can help people that have different, you know, issues going on um, that make it a lot easier. And, you know, so that's one of the big things. And then earlier someone had also said, you know, uh, I think most people feel like, oh, they're going to slow us down. But I saw at right. the summit that that is not the case. That's definitely not the case. So I think those two <laughs> things, you know, are big factors. Ted, um, <clears throat> Darren DeMille here. Uh, I want to just chime in a little bit about that. And sure. the way that I look at it is that golf, at least to me and a lot of people, is an elitist sport. Like, right. it doesn't take much to, to, to get a basketball and go to a basketball court and shoot hoops or go to a tennis court and get a tennis racket and play some tennis. But golf, it's a different story. You have to pay a greens fee. You have to have equipment. Yeah, it, it, there, there's a lot that goes on when, um, when you go to play golf. So it gets expensive at, at, at some point, right? So I, I think that that's definitely a barrier for a lot of people. Right. Yeah, that's definitely – you're right. That, that, that's a great point because that is a hurdle, I think, um, even if you don't have some of the adaptive challenges that, that we've been talking about, um, you know, I hear that with, with, you know, everyday folk that, that want to, that would love to play golf, but it's just not as accessible as one might think. And it is, it has been traditionally, uh, considered to be sort of an elitist sport. And now, you know, there have been certainly some barriers have broken down over the years, um, with the onslaught of, of, you know, um, players like Tiger Woods, who've opened doors, uh, for a lot of people and, and many of the great ladies on the LPGA that are, are working tirelessly, Cindy Miller being one of them, um, you know, Kathy Whitworth and, and some of the other um, senior ladies that have really helped pave the way. So there's, 
you know, there has been some, some doors that have opened, but this is an area, and Gianna, you and I have talked about this um, on the phone off air uh, at, at some length, that there's really an opportunity here, I think, for the golf industry to really step up and say, you know, they're, they're always talking about growing the game, growing the game, but they seem to be going after the same demographic. Well, here's a demographic that really, um, with the exceptions of the panel here tonight, that are obviously, uh, and this is the reason you put the summit the together, yeah. has, has fallen through the cracks. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I guess for lack of better words, a man of action, and I believe that, you know, you can talk about it, and you can talk about it, and you can talk about it, and, you know, you, you, uh, you guys here have obviously uh, put your words into action um, by doing different things. So I, I want to give each of you an opportunity, and, and I'm going to go down the list. Um, we'll start with, um, uh, with David and then Mary Beth and then Darren um, as our golf professionals here. Just talk about some of the uh, programs that are currently adaptive programs that are currently available. Um, David? Yes, sir. You know, just to follow up on our last topic of, you know, why, uh, you know, are we missing the boat on, you know, on some of the um, the marketing and, and all that. I, I just always refer to uh, that quote from Thomas Edison where uh, op- opportunity is uh, easy, easily missed because it's dressed like overalls and looks like work. And that's right. usually <laughs> a lot lot to do with it because people um, don't specifically, you know, in a lot of arenas, they don't market to um, folks with challenges because maybe they're just not quite either confident, uh, they don't have um, the equipment, um, you know, they're uh, they're not prepared, and if they don't feel prepared, then, uh, you know, they're not going to promote. Um, but we are shifting that. Uh, we, uh, we believe that uh, more ground is being covered. And, uh, and what we specialize in from, uh, from my association, and uh, whether it be my Adaptive Golf Association or our coaching academy, where we're providing that resource so we can uh, explore more program development, which will lead into that question of what's going on, uh, which I hope you set aside at least another 90 minutes to, to cover that category. <laughs> but, uh, but with what we do and... and uh, and how we feel that uh, that we're a valuable resource to uh, Gianna's group, to her expansion, uh, north and south from New Jersey to Myrtle Beach, uh, what we provide to the PG of America uh, for our Department of Veterans Affairs uh, sports grant program, several other communities across the country uh, that we've worked with since 2007 to help them um, really expand and connect their community uh, with consistent programming is that's the uh, the coach training uh, and getting folks more confident, really enhancing enhancing that confidence level. So then, golf professionals or just just golfers that are passionate about the game that want to help others, they uh, they know that there's something very powerful in it, whether it be physical, mental, cognitive, that socialization. It's all there and then some, and it's just all in all elevating the accessibility aspect of it for more individuals to say, hey, look at that. I can do that. If he can do that or she can do that, let me in there. I'm, I'm going to get to that clinic and uh, give it a shot. So it really helps people go beyond that risk-taking uh, point, and uh, hopefully we can get them and get them engaged, and golly, it's all about developing their passion for the game and letting it expand. Right, so with, right. Um 
Um, Mary Beth, I want you to, to chime in a little bit as well. Some of the things that, okay. um, that, that you're well, doing and, of, and um, go ahead. One of the things that we've, uh, that Gianna and I have been reaching out to uh, the PGA about their junior league. Like I run a junior league, but getting it more, uh, you know, known that this is an opportunity for anybody um, or even making it, you know, adapting it so that it is available to everybody. Um, we also talked about getting, uh, you know, an adaptive uh, drive, pitch, and putt. They have a national drive, pitch, and putt, you know, making – so that can also work. Those are two areas that would get awareness and give, uh, you know, these kids things that – they, like like you said, they could see that they could do it by watching it, the other kids doing it, but they could also then get involved. Um, so those are currently two of the areas that we were working on um, that are kind of bigger, that will get out there more nationally. Fantastic. Um, Darren, and I know that you, uh, in addition to, to running a, a successful golf academy in the Myrtle Beach area, um, are also in, uh, that's home to the uh, chapter of the Stand Up and Play Foundation, uh, which you happen to be the program director of. Um, what are some of the things that, that you're doing in your area to, uh, um, to sort of open doors, if you will, to some of the challenged golfers out there? Right. Well, um, unfortunately, I'm, I'm it down here, Ted. When uh, I was first introduced to the Paramobile up at my golf academy in Long Island, and I moved down to Myrtle Beach... Uh, I wanted to get involved with the Paramobile again in the stand-up and play, and I thought it'd be a no-brainer. All I had to do was reach out to who was ever running the program down here and say, hey, listen, if you need any help, I'd love to participate. And um, come to find out that nothing was going down on uh, going on down here in Myrtle Beach, you know, the golf uh, golf capital of the world. And, um, right. And it was just really shocking to me that, uh, this area, with, with as many golfers as it has, has nothing going on. And, um, you know, obviously, here I am now um, running the program. Uh, I did something about it. So uh, I raised some funds uh, through a couple of my clients down here in Myrtle Beach and, and was able to get a pair of mobile. And now uh, my golf academy is the only one in Myrtle Beach to, uh, to have one uh, available for anybody who wants to use it. And you've obviously, you know, had the opportunity to use it. Um, and and what's been some of the feedback that you've had um, thus far? Right. So one one of the uh, – I've had quite a few people come through the program. And one of the, um, one of the greatest things that's happened so far is a, a gentleman came and, and used the unit, and he was a very, very accomplished golfer, played in uh, a U.S. Open. Uh, when he was younger wow. and um, and lost both of his legs uh, above the knee and um, never thought he'd be able to play golf again and uh, saw an article that um, was about uh, the stand-up and play and, and my efforts down here in Myrtle Beach and, and decided to drop by the golf academy and um, asked some questions about the paramobile. And I said, you know what, I'm going to change your life. Why don't you come next week? And, of course, he did. And um, had a great time. Really enjoyed it. It was you could see it in his eyes. And about two weeks later, I got a phone call from his physical therapist, and he's like, "Darren, what'd you do?" I'm like, "What do you mean?" He's like, Char- "Charlie's life <laughs> has been 
considerably altered. I'm like, you know, I, I put him, did this, we hit some golf balls. He's like, you can't imagine the therapy that it did for him. So right. um, the director of the physical therapy program is they're now going to do a, a big uh, commercial on um, the, the physical therapy and the paramobile and golf as a therapy down here in Myrtle Beach and hopefully spread uh, spread the, the, the word that the paramobile is available for people to use and, and people like Charlie will be able to, uh, uh, to have that kind of therapy. That's fantastic. You know, the, the, this is one of the – one of the things that really um, I, I found very interesting, as I mentioned I, earlier, I had you know Anthony Netto from Stand Up, um, Stand Up and Play Foundation on the show, and he talked about some similar stories. And Roger, I want to get you back into the conversation. I haven't forgotten about you, I promise. Um, <laughs> and I'd like for you to maybe give a little bit of it, it, when you're when you're kind of juggling five or six around. I'm trying to give everybody a, a no, fair shake fine. here, so I apologize. <laughs> um, but Roger. You have a very unique situation because you're in that category, um, much like Gianna is. Um, you know, obviously your your situation is a little bit different than, her, than hers, but um, but you've had the same experience both personally and worked with some of the other veterans. How satisfying is it, obviously for yourself, but for some of the other veterans that that you've had um, come through your programs and and through your facility that have been able to get back out on the golf course that maybe once played and maybe then gave it up because they, they thought with some of the challenges they were faced with, they were never going to be able to play again. And you've now sort of reopened that door again. Um, what's been some of the feedback that you've received and tell us a little bit about, again, how it's really helped you. Uh, the stand up and play foundation partnered with the uh, paralyzed veterans of America and doing a uh, Paralympics uh, training in West Virginia. So we brought over some therapists from the VA and we had a veteran who had uh, been a paraplegic for 33 years. And 33 years ago was the time, the last time that he stood. And uh, he uh, grew up in the country, works on a farm, does a little bit of everything, hunts and fish. Uh, but he never played. He has friends that play golf, but he's never played golf. So we brought him and the therapist out. The therapist had a chance to sit and uh, experience what it was like to uh, play in a paramobile to learn how to teach from a paramobile. And then we brought in some veterans to come for them to teach. So this gentleman came, and we put him in the paramobile, and a lot of the things we discussed at the summit were physical. You know, this gentleman hadn't stood in 33 years, so your blood pressure changes in elevation. And this is, you know, probably something Anthony mentioned too, that, you know, we have to make sure that, you know, their health is number one. We don't want to break sure. any bones. We, don't, we want to keep their health a number one. But during the course of those two days, he was able to stand for the first time in 33 years. Not only that, but he hit a golf ball fairly well. <laughs> and he fell in love. Wow. So one of, one of the interesting things that came about that was uh, he's in blue jeans and a T-shirt, and the course director said, hey, uh, if you'd like to take, a, take them out on a hole. So we went out hole one, and hole two came back to the clubhouse. We took them out, and the following morning at breakfast, two of the golfers who uh, play regularly, uh, one was a PGA member, and he said, did you see the guy in jeans with long hair and a T-shirt playing on our course? And first thing that ran through my mind, here's a veteran who served his country in Vietnam. And the second right. of all, I said, let me share this experience with you of what this gentleman learned 
he fell in love with the sport that he loved. But not only that, he was able to stand for the first time in 33 years, which made tears come out right. of his eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. When you watch an individual's life change by giving them a tool, whether it's golf, a paramobile, uh, just some education to see that there's hope, even just playing with somebody to realize that, hey, this guy can hit the ball. And nobody ever thought a person could hit a ball from a wheelchair or from a paramobile. And right. maybe even play better than them. <laughs> but yeah. those are you know, some and, of those challenges, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know Anthony mentioned, and I, I, don't, re- I don't recall if it was uh, um, the gentleman's name or who he was referring to at the time, but he mentioned another uh, individual um, that had, had uh, not played golf for a number of years and, and – um, but he mentioned as well that, that some of these men that have gotten out there have, have just, I mean, crushed the dri- their drives. I mean, they just hit it phenomenal distance, um, but have no use of their better part of their lower body. And it just baffles the mind because, and, and Mary Beth and, and Darren and, and David, I'm sure you can attest, there's, there's our everyday golfers out there. They're lucky if they can hit it 200 yards down the fairway um, that have full capacity of, of every uh, you know, uh, muscle and whatnot of their body. And, and yet here are some of these men and women who have, you know, many challenges that are met with are out there striping it down the middle. Um, so there's really yeah. no excuse. You know? Yeah, Ted, Go ahead. I can, I can definitely uh, uh, shed some light on this. As I was, um, and I shouldn't say lucky, I mean, I put myself in a situation where I surrounded myself with the best people and was was uh, working for Jack Nicholas for several years. And Mr. Nicholas was uh, taught by uh, Jim Flick later in his career. And um, right. Mr. Flick would uh, often hit golf balls from a chair during, during the clinics. And it would just emphasize the use of the arms and hands and how important their role is in a golf swing. And that's why people are so successful Hitting, hitting a golf ball from, from the paramobile. That the arms and hands are a huge part of, of uh, swinging a golf club and, and a power source that, you know, most people are thinking about what their body's doing as opposed to what the golf club's doing and what their arms and hands are doing. So I've, I saw it, you know, firsthand and come to see 10, 12 years later how important that education was with, with Jack and, and Jim in um in what I'd be doing it's it's kind of a little ironic it's a little scary but um it, it could could also be you know there's a bigger picture for all of us and and uh you never know what's down the road um in in, in your future yeah it, i find you know, it, it kind of ironic you're talking about arms and hands and i don't have one <laughs> <laughs> but i get out there and i don't hit it far but i hit it straight you know, you well, know and, and I've and witnessed Yana playing golf, and you'd be amazed. She can beat, you know, so many of the women that play golf all the time and have every ability. So there you go. Right. Well, I, I think what really it, what resonates to me, um, guys, is this, is I think the only excuse that an individual can have to not play um, – is is really their their own fear uh, of of not uh, whether it be failure uh, of not being able to 
um, you know, to get out there. We all, we all sort of have our own fears. And I think a lot of people, Johnny, you, you know, when you talked about this young girl that, that, you know, probably just didn't think that, that she could ever play, but yet you, through your story, you were able to inspire her. And I just think what it really boils down to, guys, is this. It, it's it's um, educating the public. Um, you know, right. I remember years ago, if you, you know, if you think back um, several decades ago, you know, we didn't have, um, you know, Special Olympics. You know, we had our traditional Olympics, and it was really through um, perseverance and, and dedication by many, many individuals, both with challenges and without, that we now have Special Olympics. And I think right. that a lot of society forgets that just because whether it be a veteran that's come home from service that maybe has, uh, you know, PTSD or has uh, a physical uh, a challenge that suddenly their, their life is over and that couldn't be further from the truth. And I think what you guys are, are proposing with, with your summit and reaching out is to say, you're right, it isn't over. And here's some things that we believe you can do to get back out there and not only get back into the game of life, but do it in such a way that you can have fun as you're growing and continuing to overcome some of the challenges that life has faced you with, whether it was through uh, a military um, you know, challenge that, that you were uh, faced with or whether, in John, in your case, where you were born that way. So uh, I think it. it's really yeah. over, right, overcoming those fears. So um, what do we need to do, number one, as a society, but more importantly, within the golf industry that we're not doing now. Um, John, I'm going to start with you and then, then um, sure. my fellow professionals that they want to jump in. What do we need to do from here on in to help get this word out? Well, I think the very first thing, um, and I'm sure David and Mary Beth and Darren will all attest, and, and Roger will as well, will all attest to this, is just grassroots changing the mindset. Um, if we can get people to be able to help empower people like myself who don't know that we can get out there and play golf. Um, Mary Beth mentioned the junior golf leagues and the, the, the PGA. You know, it's all about inclusion, but there's a gap that says, okay, well, hey, parents, you have a child that has a disability or a challenge, or different ability, like I like to call it. Sure. But the parents may not even know that there's programs out there to put the kids in. And this kind of a program, whether it's golf or tennis or skiing or whatever it is, it helps build dignity. It helps build self-confidence. And not only does it help the child that has the challenge, the kids that are on the same team trying to help it because it's a team effort, they're going to benefit in the, in the future of the way they perceive people with different abilities. We're not unable to do anything unless we, in our mind, let other people or our own voice, inner voice, tell us that we can't. Because you can. You just find a different no, way. It may look different. It may look funny. It's so true, Gianna. It's, it's all behavior-related. And um, yes. at the end of the day, your behavior is, is a controlled is a controlled thing, and we 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 control our behaviors. You know, mm -hmm. I can't control yes. your behavior; I can only control my right. own. And it's it's so true. 
and and um, and with uh, with controlled behavior becomes habit, and, and that's where people kind of fall into that that category where uh, things don't change. You know, habits are things that have been going on for years and years and years. They don't come overnight, and it's tough to change those. Well, here's a perfect you- example. I was born this way, so I don't know any different. That left hand with no fingers is my hand. Right. If I'm someone who has lost it during my life, if you give me your left hand, I will have the same challenge for you losing it than I would getting one. Right. It, it, it's just the way that I'm wired. It's the way that I'm wired when I'm born. Same way when people have amputee situations, for whatever reasons, they have what they call phantom pains. They think they still have a hand. My hand still hurts if you don't have a hand. It's the way you're wired when you're born, and number one, and number two, it's the way that you, in your mind, accept whatever is going on. So if you can overcome yourself and say, okay, well, all right, I don't have a hand. I didn't. I trust me, as an eight-year-old little girl sitting on Arnold Palmer's lap, I would have never thought I was going to be playing golf, much less now inspiring other people that have challenges to get out and play golf. But it's all up into your mind. And and like Darren said, it's behavioral. If you're trained to think that, oh, well, I can't do that, or people are telling you you can't do that, it's up to you how you're going to receive that. Personally, I take it as a challenge. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, well, and, and I think that's... That's that... the biggest thing with, with um, and that's what I see with... Uh, with with champion golfers or, or people who really succeed in life to people who almost succeed, you know that they right. they accept the challenge, right? They want the challenge. They want the ball in the last thirty seconds. So kudos to you, Jim. Yeah, well said. Yeah, um, and, and you're right. And I think there's a certain ignorance that that. And again, I don't mean that in a, in a derogatory way, but I just think a, a naivete maybe that some people have is they. If, if, things that they don't understand, um, you know, from from somebody who uh, maybe isn't faced with a challenge, they don't understand those challenges that you, Gianna, or, or Roger, um, and, and many of the others out there that they're facing with. And, and Roger, I want to ask you one other question here. That uh, again, because you work with a lot of veterans, um, you're not only just seeing the physical um, challenges that that um, some of these veterans. Uh, uh, and military uh, personnel that have come back from, from various deployments, um, but many of them uh, come back as well with uh, PTSD, which is a whole different uh, sort of kettle of fish, if you will. Um, and, and I know just through talking with Gianna and, and others that that part of therapy uh, has also seen uh, a bit of an uptick with golf, correct? Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, it is it is hard to get back into being around large groups, large sounds. Uh, you know, opening up to another person, and uh, you know, still, I mean, brain injuries are uh, everybody can it it hurt or it injures somebody in different ways, but it also affects your social interaction skills too. Um, you're still a soldier and you're, you're, you're 24 seven ready, but you're, you know, 
your life is interrupted by the injury. So you have balance issues. You have social interaction issues where you may, because of the injury, uh, be a little more um, aggressive in your in your conversations. Uh, but also, just one of the things is uh, you try to be you spend more time alone. So they try to put you know, get into get individuals with PTSD. Um, golf is a focus sport. You have to focus on everything you do, but it's also a quiet sport. It's one that uh, when you go out, you you, as, you and that ball are one uh, as you connect with it and you focus on it and you work on getting that ball down down the, the fairway. But it is also one that you partner other veterans together where they start opening up and they start realizing um, their social skills once again and also getting over their physical limitations, you know, helping them open up some of the wounds that maybe they haven't opened up before. And right. you know, it, Rod, Roger, I have a, I have a question for you. Sure. <clears throat> I have a student um, with, um, you know, post-traumatic uh, stress. And one of the things that happens is that once we start to hit some golf balls and we get into a groove or he gets into a groove of maybe five or six good ones, he starts to wander with his brain uh, hmm. because he's so used to looking over his shoulder. He's so used to having to think about some other things, and he loses focus on the task at hand. Is, is that something that kind of goes through your brain as well when when you're hitting balls on the range? Uh, absolutely. I mean, your your brain is constantly, like I said, 24-7 ready that no matter what the circumstances, you're always looking at things around you, you're, you're observant to everything around. When we were in our, uh, our uh, summit, uh, one of the instructors brought uh, what they call PTSD glasses. And it had a little window in yeah, the I remember sunglass. That. Yep. That, that, uh, when we put it on a veteran who had PTSD, they were actually designed to read the greens. <laughs> but uh, wow. when we put it on with the gentleman with PTSD, you could only see what was in that little window on the on the lens. So quieted and so him down, yeah. There was confidence there were conversations going on all around him, in front of him, beside him, behind him. And so I asked him to focus on me in front of him and we started having a conversation. And I said, Can you tell me what the conversation or how many people are to you behind you? And they were they weren't far behind, but they were having a conversation. Because he couldn't see it and he was focused on me, he was oblivious to the conversation behind him because of that narrowing of vision. And so it was a help. We found out that that was a very helpful tool, and they've done some research with that. But that is one that, uh, you know, it's also just changing up your routine, uh, you know, knowing that that's going to happen, change up your routine, maybe change a club or change uh, to right. something different yep. as a challenge that will help keep him focused. Uh, he won't know that. If you you know, yeah, Roger, you know, that, that raising it, that was exactly what I was going to say is, you know, traditionally when, when somebody's out on the practice tee, not necessarily through a lesson, but just to themselves, um, and, and I'm, I'm sure my fellow professionals can, can attest to this, we, we often see sort of the, uh, the raking of the golf ball and, and hitting one after another, and it's almost, you know, a continual repetition. Um, not necessarily the best way to practice, by the way, but, um, but many golfers do that. And I think obviously, and Roger, correct me if, if, I'm, if I'm not down the right track here, but I can see an opportunity for somebody that, that does um, have that challenge of, of PTS to 
not have that continual flow of, of practice, maybe have it interrupted in, and do it in stages. In other words, maybe hit, you know, two or three golf balls and then have that attention misdirected somewhere else, maybe in a conversation and then go back with a new club or, or something else. Um, but that sort of taking away from that routine, um, would that also, uh, do you think, be effective? Absolutely. I mean, ch- changing the routine, um, you know, keeping the focus, he's there to have fun and relax. So, you know, give him right. that opportunity. So it may be we're going to putt for a few minutes and we're going to go chip for a few minutes and we're, we're going to go drive for a few minutes before we go out and, you know, play nine holes. Um, but give him some challenges that are worth, uh, you know, even changing direction on flags. So you're on the driving range. We're going to change from driving to chipping, but we're going to make a game out of this to uh, let them change their focus and direction. Um, Ted, I wanted to also just go back to your previous question about changing. Uh, you know, what do we see things changing in the uh, industry? And one, you right. brought up Special Olympics. Uh, a lot of the dis- disability groups, veterans and non-veterans, uh, and, and kudos to everybody who's been out there, Special Olympics and, uh, you know, uh, SMGA and other organizations who have been teaching adaptive golf for a number of years. We've just never collaboratively come together, as we did with the summit, to put all those teaching tools together to be able to come up with a, a unified means of education. So learning from each different disability group on how they teach and putting that all into one as far as an educational tool, also bringing, you know, groups together. We have veterans who have golf tournaments. We have non-veteran groups doing golf tournaments. But inclusive, inclusiveness of the adaptive golfers in these programs so that they're out playing together, they're getting to know one another in the community, in the adaptive golf world, the instructors and non-instructors, as well as players. And that builds the strength as far as cohesiveness and the growth of adaptive golf and education and getting over attitudinal barriers because they see more people out playing and playing with able body. With, you know, we, in bowling, we call it an up-and-down league where the people with disabilities and people without disabilities playing. And we do the same thing with a foursome and a scramble. You have a, person, a veteran or a non-veteran, somebody with a disability, somebody without playing in the foursome. And everybody's learning off of each other. Uh, how they put and just the social interaction to get to know uh, an adaptive golfer is just an amazing experience for somebody who's never played with one. Right. And, and, and I, you know, I like the fact that, you know, as you mentioned earlier, some of the individuals that you've worked with and, and Darren and, and, and David and, and of course, Mary Beth, uh, I'm sure you've all experienced um, with, with golfers who have had some various challenges um, just, the, the change in their demeanor, um, you know, the expression even on their face when they're able to do something that maybe they haven't been able to do for, for many, many years or haven't been really even pushed to do um, because of some of the challenges that they're faced with. I think one thing that I, would, I think would really help, and, and bear with me here, guys, for a second um, before, before you chime in. You know, society has always... Um, you know, again, been kind of slow to make change. And one thing that that I think I would really like to see happen um, is 
in the public forum, in, in commercials and things of that nature. For instance, I'll give you an example. Um, culturally, you know, if you look at most television commercials now, um, there has been a movement now for several decades where you're seeing uh, a, a literally a melting pot of, of different cultures in commercials. So it's becoming more mainstream. The one thing that you do not see, or at least I certainly have not seen, is the only representation that you see, whether it be uh, for juniors or even adults, uh, in, in the uh, disability category is in the form of a commercial for some sort of assistance or help. Uh, for instance, Shriners and some of these other organizations that are looking. But you don't see commercials of individuals who have these challenges um, being in an active everyday life situations. So I think what happens, and John, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong or, or, or Roger, is society, when they see that, they don't see these individuals, that the brain just doesn't sort of register, if you will. You don't see these individuals in everyday situations like everybody else. You're only seeing them in a forum where they're looking for um, assistance or donations or what have you for, for certainly worthwhile causes. So I wonder that if if maybe the golf industry and other industries as well was to tackle that issue and say, let's start showcasing um, some of the veterans out there playing golf and doing some of the different activities, I think people would start to see not just those that don't have challenges, but those that do have challenges say, hey, I can do that. If that gentleman can do that in a paramobile, why can't I do? Would you agree with that? Uh well, I am raising my hand know. over here. <laughs> Go ahead, Roger, well, you first, and then I, I'm going to chime in. Actually, in the last five years, uh, probably a little more than that, uh, we've seen an increase in commercials. Toyota put out a commercial, I believe it was last year, with a person in a wheelchair playing basketball. Um, right. We've had, you know, uh, you know, murder ball, which is quad rugby. Uh, right. Some of our U.S. You know, our Paralympian athletes are starting to become more and more involved in commercials these days. But like you said, right. I mean, outside of the Paralympic athletes, I mean, we're starting to see a little bit more in, in television and commercials uh, with persons with disabilities. A lot of the time it's just persons in chairs. Um, but, yes, uh, I would say yes and no. <laughs> uh, yes, they, <laughs> it can always be an increase of various disabilities in these commercials, for sure, without being a plea for money. Uh, because these are everyday people, and they have good causes, don't get me wrong. Uh, but right. in an everyday commercial, uh, that would be a, an advantageous tool to, to bring the attitudes into check and education into check. It's changing a mindset yeah. is what it is. Well, that's, that's exactly, I, I guess, was the point that I was going for. And, and you know, I, I, I want to, I think that society, when they, it sort of falls into the mainstream way of thinking, are more receptive um, to, to follow with that changes. You know, anytime that there's a major social change or policy change, you know, it'll start slowly, but then you'll start to see it sort of interweave in, in societal issues. And I think this is something that really, um, and Roger, as you mentioned, you know, I, I do recall that commercial in, uh, that Toyota did put out, and there are certain signs of it, but I think it's something that, you know, the golf industry as well um, it could be more engaging in. And I think that, um, you know, with some of the challenges that individuals face with, there's a, a huge opportunity 
um, not just with the paramobile, but with other uh, apparatus, maybe golf clubs, modifications to golf clubs um, that could be made to adapt to that particular category, which would, again, open doors. And I think that you're, you're certainly going to see it happen. But like I said in, in the opening uh, remarks, it, it's a very slow process. So this is something I think that obviously is going to happen um, over time, but it's going to take groups like yourselves to, to be active and engaging out in, in the various communities. Um, so going back to the question I asked a few moments ago is, um, Gianna and, and obviously the others are welcome to, to add in as well, um, what's the next step? What's the, the current state of adaptive, uh, your adaptive golf mission, and what is, um, what's next for the summit? Well, one of the things that I see, again, we're going to go back to what Roger was just talking about, and, and the question that you asked is awareness. Um, we have a lot of grassroots foundation to build first. Um, talking about not seeing people with different abilities out there doing all of these wonderful things that everybody else is doing. Um, right. that, that's, it's still slow to come, like you said. It's, it's mm-hmm. still slow to come, but it's coming. Um, I think I recall a weightlifting Doritos commercial, and all you yes. saw was this little girl watching, uh, and they didn't, I think it was, it might, correct me if I'm wrong, it might have been one of the Super Bowl commercials last year that didn't air, but it aired this year. Mm-hmm. And there's this little girl watching these guys with no arms, no legs. <clears throat> they're in the gym, they're working working out, and you don't realize it until they, they cut back to her that she is in the same boat. Um, right. Same thing with Mary Beth and I. Um, we had an opportunity to be on a call with the PGA Junior Golf League. They tout that they're all about inclusion, but the inclusion is gender and racial, not necessarily right. ability. And that's where I think I even mentioned um, we had I had an opportunity at the PGA Merchandise Show to talk to some people about junior golf on stage and said, hey, well, you guys are talking about inclusion and diversity, but what do you, what do you, your commercial, your PSA, your 30-second spot is just showing kids out there playing, not necessarily whether it's a gender or a racial thing, but you're not, you're not showing the kid that's in the wheelchair to do this. So that's where I feel that one of those start when they're when they're young we're going to help them build confidence because i already know i i wish i had known this <laughs> when i was younger sure but here i am you know 54 years old with a grandchild grandchildren and and children and i was always the the scapegoat i was always the pick on no kid should feel like they're different no matter what their challenges right. are so right. if we can yeah. help bring that into light, that will help change the mindset for the future. So those kids that are on the team with that kid that has a challenge are now going to have a different perception of the rest of their life and their future and how they perceive people with different abilities. So we've got to start at the grassroots. We've got to start, <laughs> I hate to say it, but you know, it, that, I think that's not a golf thing. That's just a plain old society thing 
Because in my generation, right. I got picked on. They're not picking on the right. kid in the no. wheelchair now, although they may be in a different way, but not right. not the way that, that I went through. Right. So if we can change right. that, then we um, can help shape the future for this. Yeah, I, I think one of the things, and I've, I've sort of been a big proponent of this, um, you know, one of the things that you don't see, um, with, with few exceptions, which I'll, I'll point out in a minute, one of the things that you don't see is really golf, and, and I think, um, uh, I'm not sure if it was David or Darren that mentioned this earlier uh, about golf being, um, you know, an elitist sport, but, you know, you see virtually every other sport in the school system as an after-school program or what have you, mm-hmm. um, whether it be basketball, football, baseball, you know, all kinds of, uh, and depending on you know, geographically where chair, you are. Skiing. Skiing, exactly. Um, but you don't see golf with the exception of, uh, you know, some high school and certainly collegiate level. Um, you don't see golf really being exposed uh, or a very limited exposure in the school system. And that's really it, where it needs to begin um, to get people interested. And I think that would be an opportunity in itself to address uh, not just the general population, but particularly those that uh, maybe have some special needs uh, and, and various challenges to see that golf can be for them as well. Um, they don't necessarily have to play on the PJ Tour uh, or LPGA Tour it. if they don't just wish. Be p- right. the best of your potential. But that it's available to them. And like you said, until much later in life um, and through their own initiative or somebody else's egging on, they're not even aware that they can they can be exposed to it. So I think that would be a, another target that I would uh, personally like to see happen is is golf being more engaging into the school systems um, in some fashion. And I know there are some programs out there across the nation, yeah, uh, so Mary Beth. And, Ted, Ted, one of the ahead. one of the programs I'm doing right now, <clears throat> excuse me, is called Golf Squad. Uh, you know, just being down here in Myrtle Beach, I'm I'm trying to get my name out there, and I'm trying to. Uh, be as an interactive as possible, and uh, one of the things I'm doing is golf squad, and and they are in all of the schools down here, whether it's the elementary school or or the middle school, and and uh, I actually just started last week, and uh, it's it's definitely uh, gets a lot of kids at least in the Myrtle Beach area. Now, when I was living up in New York, I, I'd never heard of golf squad, didn't know what it was. Maybe it's just mm. down this area, but. Um, that that's one of the things I'm doing, and and I do think that we are starting to get into the school systems. I I, I don't know the statistics. Uh, right. I, I listened to to Michael Breed on the radio about a month ago, and and there was a woman from the New York Times that posted an article about how golf is really diminishing, and and, and Michael was talking mm. about some statistics about how we are not diminishing and how we're getting into schools and how we're doing in these other programs. So uh, maybe David has some more information on that, but um, it's, it's one of the things that I'm involved with. So I, I am seeing at least down here in the Myrtle Beach area. Yeah, I would say yeah, they're, they're too t- in New Jersey. In Jersey, I'm in most of the elementary schools in the county. Um, the, the New Jersey PGA and the P- National PGA has a program, golf in schools, uh, where they supply the equipment and the curriculum and the pro just goes in and, actually works with the PE teachers and um, spends, like, the first – educates them a little bit and leaves the equipment, does a class or two with them, but then leaves the equipment with them for uh, two weeks or, or and they, they use it for all their students and then 
and then uh, you pick it back up again. And, and I've done that now for a lot of years. Um, but the PGA is, is promoting that and um, willing to supply all the equipment. And, and it is a good inclusion then because you get all the kids. Even if there's a disability involved, doesn't matter. They're all there, so it, it is a good inclusion uh, program. Yeah, and, and there are certain. I know Mary Bass. She was in one of the uh, best PGA sections uh, up at the New Jersey, and they have a very strong foundation and they're very active. And they define uh, promote or produce. And, yes, the PG of America, they're going to promote it, and they're going to put it out there. But it's out there. It's kind of like the, it's like fishing. They're going to put it out there, and it's the active, it's the uh, productive golf professionals or sections that can motivate their local teams to produce results and get into the school. So there is um, there is a difference there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know that, yeah, I know in, in Manhattan, I know of um, – uh, a woman, Kate Tempesta, she's been on my show before, uh, does some some uh, work in the schools. And I know that uh, others uh, throughout certain parts of the United States, I know that. I think what it is, it's like, uh, Gianna, what you talked about earlier. Um, there's a lot of organizations out there that uh, address some of the, the issues and concerns that we've talked about here tonight so far. Um, but they're sort of all working independently for their own initiatives. And I, I really, I think it's it's kind of like you know, having a bus with, with many wheels, but the wheels are all moving in a different direction. Um, mm. and, and I think that they, they all need to be sort of um, coordinated and made to move in the same direction. Um, they're certainly not, you know, not to take away from their own initiatives, but I think there has to be a, a greater goal, if you will, uh, and, and sort of includes all of these organizations. And I think that's really what you're trying to do with, it, with uh, putting together this golf summit. Is that, is that uh, an accurate statement, you think? Absolutely. That is very accurate because some of the initiatives are so amazing, necessary. But like I said, when I was trying to learn to play, no one was talking to me because I don't fit into any category of any of the initiatives. So there there are wonderful um, opportunities and organizations out there for one-arm golfers, for blind golfers, for amputee golfers. I was born this way. I have an arm. I just, but there wasn't anybody out there for me. So, for me, my initiative really, I don't have one particular initiative. I'm not training. I'm not selling equipment. I'm not, you know, my thing is, is that trying to be the resource for that golfer. It's just, wow, I don't even know where to start. Um, how do I find somebody to teach me? How do I find somebody to fit into an organization or a social group that I'm like-minded? And and not to take anything away from the amazing initiatives, they're also sometimes very exclusive. So if you're not one-armed golfer, I have an arm, I don't fit into that category, so I'm excluded. Or I'm not a veteran, so I'm not. I, I, I'm associated with the organizations, but I'm not, I don't fit into that category. So I'm excluded. So my thing with the adaptive golfers is because I'm coming from the golfer's perspective and I want all of these amazing organizations, I want to be able to help represent what they're doing on behalf of the golfer to find them. 
and that's where I think maybe what I'm doing is a little, little bit different, and it's also very daunting. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's certainly, and I can see how that can be uh, a daunting task because it, you know, uh, again, each of these organizations that that you've mentioned here, um, not just tonight, but in other conversations that you and I have had, um, all serve a great purpose um, and and have certainly a a worthwhile agenda. But uh, again, not everybody falls into all of those categories. Not everybody's a veteran. Not everybody, uh, you know, was, was born this way. Not everybody, you know, um, uh, is uh, is paralyzed and what have you. So there's a lot of different categories. And I think it seems to me that initially, I think one great thing is to, is to be able to have a resource where people can go that fall into whatever category and say, hey, you know, I, I'd like to play golf. I'm interested in golf, but I don't know how to go about it. Because not everybody, um, David uh, is, um, uh, and Darren and Mary Beth, is, is teaching to that particular demographic right now, it's very difficult for individuals um, to know where to go to find the help that they need. So what can we do within the industry uh, individually and as a group to make that more accessible? Is, is the PGA and maybe LPGA receptive to um, putting something together so that if if an individual comes up or calls or or goes to the website, is there is there a way that we can initiate uh, a program, if you will, through your summit, that um, somebody that falls into one of these various categories can reach out and say, okay, I'd like to play golf, or I'd like to to meet somebody that can help me learn how to play golf that can address my special needs. Is there a way or is there a program that we can initiate to do that? And I'm going to leave that open to anybody. I think that's in the works. We've got the ears. We have the ears. There's a lot of um, information that is being shared. And I don't think we're there yet, but that is definitely one of the sites in the near future to have, like, for instance, if somebody wants to find an instructor in their local area that's a PGA-certified instructor, they type in their zip code, Blah blah blah. They find a yeah. a, a, a local place, but maybe there's an intake where they have to say, okay, well, I have this challenge. I have this challenge. Maybe it's a little self-assessment that has to do before they match somebody that can help them. And if we don't have people to send the golfers to, which is what David and and the the whole summit thing is about, is training the trainers. So we have people out there that can train people that have challenges how to get out on the golf course. And even if it's just to the driving range, but just there has to be the grassroots part of it first. So it, it's oh. a little bit of a, like I said, it's a little daunting. It's, it, there's, there's, it, this isn't going to happen overnight, but this is a start. Right. Right. There, there, David, let me ask David can chime are, in too. There are some platforms there for someone to do that and go by state or go by zip code and, and things. If uh, and We link through it through our Adaptive Golf Association page, which is just adaptivegolf.org. There's a place to find uh, coaches. Uh, And then we also have another level. There's trained coaches and that have been exposed to the program. And then there's uh, certified coaches that have gone the extra mile and have really been put some extensive uh, time and resources to uh, to teaching adaptive golf. But if you uh, go right to uh, National Alliance of Accessible Golf, 
There's a resource uh, page there. Um, if you go to Freedom Golf, I believe that's uh, FGA.org, um, they have uh, experienced a growth spurt in northern Illinois, all around Chicago, with our good friend E.Q. Sylvester, um, mm-hmm. which can be a model there. And then also uh, our United States Adaptive Golf Alliance. So just in a search bar of Adaptive Golf, find a coach, something like that through Google, uh, a few of these sites are going to pop up, and with a little navigation, some, someone should be able to find something uh, close to that. And with a little more time, there will be more and Perfect. more resources available to them. And with Perfect. You know, just having an opportunity to be in uh, 42 out of our 50 <clears throat> states to implement a program with different entities, um, you know, between myself and uh, Gianna and Roger, I, I think we, uh, through the PVA network, uh, we ought to be able to help somebody out. So like, like Gianna says, we're all ears, and we're always looking to, to look for more solutions to, to be better. Hey, Ted, there was one thought that Matthew well, was, was um, there were some of us with disabilities who play golf who would actually like to go down the PGA route uh, to become certified coaches and instructors. And that was one of the reasons that the summit was important to me uh, because mm-hmm. there are people who play who would like to become uh, yep. certified coaches and instructors to be able to teach. And there is not a direct means through PGA or uh, LPGA, USGA to get there to do just that to uh, uh, in, in their curriculum. So that's another tool that needs to be developed over time. And, and, you know, those are great resources that Dave mentioned. If I can just add one more thing to that, Roger. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. As I right. mentioned, go ahead. As I mentioned earlier, no, I didn't have anybody. I couldn't find anybody to teach me how to play golf one-handed. Right. I could only go to the local instructor that has two hands and has been teaching people and hasn't really had the exposure or the training to teach somebody like myself. And we just had to learn the way they were teaching, and then I had to adapt it. So, like Roger said, you know, having someone who's in a wheelchair looking for how to play golf to be able to be taught by somebody who's in a wheelchair, it gives a – I don't want to say – I don't want to take anything away from anybody else, but it gives an awful lot more validity to it than, you know, trying to find someone, same thing with myself. If I found a one-handed teacher, I would have been all over it because they already have been through it. And not, again, so, I don't mean so true, any Deanna. disrespect, but. No, no, you know, so true. It's it's like, and here's the way I look at it. I don't mean disrespect it. to you guys with two no, hands. No, no, not at all. <laughs> Here, here's the way I look at it. It's It's putting yourself in the arena, right? Think of think of a, a PGA Tour player, right? They have been put into the arena. They know what it's like. I will never understand what it's like for Roger. I will never understand what it's like for you. You will never understand what it, it's like for me. So being put in the arena, so to say, is a completely different ballgame. And, mm-hmm. and only right. people who have been put in the arena, so to say, can, can understand that. 
And it, it makes so much well, see, sense. See, that's why no David's program is so awesome. David's program is right. awesome because he brings a prosthetic leg. You will right. be no, on one amazing. leg yep. hitting from a prosthetic leg with a patch yep. over your eye or blindfolds yep. on or because he mm. gives you that opportunity to feel what it feels like. He puts yep. you in the arena. Yep. Right. And that's one of the programs that, that I'm, I, again, that's what this whole summit is about trying to get that experience transferred down so that those trainers, those teachers, the PGA teaching professionals, the rehabilitative specialists, they can kind of, in their best way, relate to what that person that they're teaching is going through and have some kind of feeling. I do that with when I, when I go out and speak at golf expos. I make it interactive. I say, okay, well, who are the golfers in the room? And you know they're the first people to put their hands up. All right, come here a minute. Sure. <laughs> I'm going to put a patch on you. I'm going to give you a, a, a club, and I'm going to make you stand on right. one leg, maybe kneel on a chair and swing one-armed and tell me how that feels. Tell the group, the, 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 the people that I'm presenting to, tell them how that feels different than what you do on a normal day to go out and play golf. Yeah. So yeah, well unless said. you're there, it's very difficult. So, Ted, you know, you are also being a Navy veteran. Thank you, sir. Yes. Um, yes, sir. Thank, thank you. 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 You've all, you know, I'm sure you've, we, and we've all at some point interacted with a Vietnam veteran and dating back. Yep. I mean, they didn't have anything when they got back. It's that pattern yeah. that yep, carries. There wasn't anything for her to break through and create an identity for herself, uh, you know, separate that she really loved and, uh, now she's found this. Um, and I so wish, too, you knew who Arnold Palmer was when you were that little girl sitting on his lap. Uh, <laughs> but, but just I have just pictures. Who would have known? Yeah, I mean, so that's what we need more of. You know, just in this last year, meeting Gianna and seeing that she is going all out and she is putting yep. herself out there. Um, I mean, that's what it takes. It takes that self-exploitation. you got to get your – I mean, she is changing lives just by a picture, a video, and people are asking questions, and they're saying, hey, my, my, my niece, my nephew, here and there, and those are, those are the one-by-one one, uh, we're trying David, to – David, tell her about Miss Linda. <laughs> there you go. And yeah, I mean, there, you have examples across the board where, where Linda was not sure she was uh, – you know, very hesitant to try golf again after uh, some some major uh, shoulder injuries, and she linked up at uh, at the forum at the summit down in December, and she got talking with uh, with Gianna and then Mary Beth, and you know it was just about building rapport and saying, hey, let's let's start from here, let's go with what's comfortable. Next thing you know, we really found where she could take that club back to a nice comfortable backswing and really hold that angle and, and use a few tools because we're all about making it a successful experience and with a swing board and the glove with a loop and a really light shaft with, with nice uh, forgiving loft. And she was putting that ball right out there with the best of them. And, um, wow, I mean, that and was And she's going to go back out and play golf with her husband again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right and there. yeah, and that's and- – yeah, and that, that's a great example as well. Somebody that, you know, maybe once played uh, and for whatever reason isn't playing, you know, or hasn't been playing for a while, has that chance to, to sort of rekindle that passion. And, again, it's, it's to put them, you know, as was said, to put them in the arena, to give them that opportunity, and that's really what it's going to take. 
Um, guys, I want to, uh, unfortunately, I've got to wrap it up. So I want to give uh, each of you an opportunity. Gianna, I'm, as I mentioned to you before, I'm going to have you go last. Um, but okay. uh, I'll go down, go down through the list. Um, David, uh, let the folks that are tuning in, uh, let them know how they can reach out to you and, and what you've got uh, uh, in the mix in the next little while that uh, you'd like to share with my audience uh, and how they can get you. And then Roger and Mary Beth and uh, Darren, I'll uh, get to you as well. So go ahead, David. The floor is yours. Yeah, hey, thank you. Well, first, uh, thank you, Ted. And, um, you know, I didn't see anywhere in your bio, since you're from uh, Hamilton, Ontario, I didn't see any uh, hockey career uh, highlights. Oh, yeah. Anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I used to go, I used to uh, attend the, the summer hockey camps at Ridley College, right down the road from Hamilton. Oh, wow. Uh, but that's, uh, that's, that's a, another conversation. But uh, what has been going on is uh, really the surge of everybody is doing something. And, uh, you know, the PGA uh, has that initiative for our military. You know, that is one uh, really, uh, really key initiative because it's needed. It's on, uh, it's on our forefront. And how those are implemented uh, through VA hospitals, with clinics, whether it be the physical component or our invisible wounds, it's making an impact. It's starting to um, be inroads for family and also mm-hmm. what's taking place in communities. So where we've impl- implemented veterans programs, there's certainly that opportunity to um, meld into the, to the community portion. And so more things are happening there, partnering with local service organizations and people just uh, taking off the horse blinders and uh, opening it up to, to more and more folks because that's what the VA wants. They don't want the veteran to come and just hang out with the brothers and sisters in uniform. They want them to be interacting right. in the fabric of the community and, uh, and right. making it happen. And just that quick reference earlier with uh, our Vietnam veterans not having anything back in the day, well, sure enough, man, they're finding more ways a more better purpose in their lives. They're giving back to this next generation. And we're, um, yeah. I have so much now that uh, want to give back to our civilians. They are offering to help with golf and schools programs uh, and other outreach things for, you know, just to, just, you know, through the, through the value of the game. So that can be happening anywhere, any place at any time. Uh, I currently reside up in Atlanta and, uh, I can I can be reached there, and uh, I have a, a web page, uh, adaptivegolf.org, uh, or mm-hmm. the Adaptive Golf Academy, and someone can track me down right there. My my cell phone is on there, so um, if we can help Perfect. just implement something and, and provide a resource, um, you know, if it's up in Mary Beth's neck of the woods, then you know we're going to refer it. <laughs> if it's over towards Myrtle Beach, I'm going to say, hey, Darren, you know, um, you know, get with these guys and. It's down towards Orlando, which we have a lot of momentum there right now. Uh, going through uh, North um, North Florida, well, you know, we have Roger for that. So um, I just hope to pass it along. Perfect. Thank and speaking you. of Thank Roger, um, I, I, I you're welcome. Uh, and Roger, again, thank you for your service. Um, how can the folks, if they want to, especially some of our uh, veterans out there that, that maybe would like to uh, uh, get into some golf, and how can they reach out to you for some additional help? Well, uh, they can reach me at the uh, Central Florida Paralyzed Veterans of America, uh, so pvacf.org. That's uh, 
is in Paul, V is in Victor, A is in Adam, Charlie, C is in Charlie, F is in Frank dot org. Um, and uh, it's Roger S. Perfect. PVH, yeah. Uh, one of the things, you know, we're working with uh, veterans organizations here in Central Florida, uh, uh, partnering with Santa Fe Play Foundation and some of these organizations, the Fairways for Warriors, uh, and we have other, the VA, local VA hospitals, and partnering with other PGA professionals and schools in the area. And I, and I do want to give my uh, some kudos here to the uh, Golf Academy of America that uh, just had a, uh, a gentleman who uh, graduated from their academy in December who uh, was one of their first wheelchair uh, graduates and who's uh, uh, working with uh, juniors and uh, first years and adaptive golfers. So I, I just definitely have to throw some kudos over there for that because uh, that's, that's important. It's an important step for uh, adaptive golf. So we're here in Central Florida. Uh, you can also check out the Stand Up and Play uh, Foundation page and uh, for resources of instructors in your area as well as adaptive golfers. Perfect. Thank you, Roger, for uh, uh, again, for your service, and thank you for joining me this evening. Um, Mary Beth, Thanks, how can the folks, uh, you're welcome, how can the folks reach out to you? Sure. I, I'm at the uh, Crystal Springs Resort up in, uh, at part of the Ledbetter Golf Academy in Franklin, New Jersey, I'm going to be, and they can, they can go to my website, which is uh, to the T golf dot com or uh yeah that's the best way to, to find out the information um you, you'll get everything you need on there and if they want any kind of help i can help them both private or groups i can put them in fantastic and thank you mary beth as well for uh for joining me tonight You're welcome. um darren how can the folks reach out for you and double d golf academy located in little river which is uh right in the myrtle beach area uh, I've got the, the paramobile available for anybody who uh, needs to use it. In addition, um, uh, I'm actively uh, involved with, with many uh, adaptive um, uh, <clears throat> programs uh, every day. So uh, you can also uh, view my um, website, Demaley Golf, or Facebook or Twitter, uh, Demaley Golf as well. Perfect. Thank you. And uh, last but not least, uh, Gianna? Well, first of all, Ted, thank you very much. Um, I appreciate to have this second opportunity to talk with you and your your listeners. Um, I can be reached at adaptivegolfers.org, and that's golfers. Um, I can also be reached at um, gianna at adaptivegolfers.org if you want to directly email me. Um, I also am going to do a, a little bit of a, a little fundraising plug at the moment, if you don't mind. Um, if you mm-hmm, sure. are a Amazon shopper, um, if you go to smile.amazon.com, choose Adaptive Golfers as your supporting um, charity. You just bookmark it, then you share it. But uh, for the future, any any purchases that go through amazon.com will benefit the adaptive golfers uh amazon will donate a five percent a point five percent um of their of the purchase so it's no extra cost to anyone it doesn't you don't have to do anything different except just go through smile.amazon.com and that would uh definitely be a help to get things started perfect or, you know, well thank you enough. 
any anonymous donations, um, you know, for 10000 or more are, are certainly welcome. <laughs> that too. Yep. Uh, exactly. <laughs> definitely use some seed funding. I, 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 I agree. Well, guys, I want to I want to take this opportunity to thank all of you again, Jana, uh, David, Roger, Mary Beth, and Darren. And unfortunately, Chris uh, Aranda was also supposed to join us. He is a specialist with the Veterans Outreach Program, and we'll get him on uh, the next time. But I want to take this opportunity to thank you, uh, all of you, for uh, uh, for spending some time with me tonight on Golf Talk Live. It's it's been a very interesting and, and stimulating conversation. And you know, I always like to. Uh, feel that I learned something and I believe I've uh, learned a few things from all of you guys and on a side note um, you know obviously we we had a specific agenda here tonight um, that we wanted to talk about but I want to extend an invitation uh, to all of you to come back again uh, but also uh, to Darren, Mary Beth and David uh, I believe if you don't have uh, I would like to have you guys definitely uh, as as uh, my special guest to talk a little bit more about golf in general, um, about each of your facilities and, and uh, uh, your teaching and so forth. So I like to uh, obviously showcase my uh, my fellow golf professionals on the show as well. So uh, in addition to uh, tonight, um, you guys are welcome to come back. And, and Roger, um, uh, as well, I would like to have you come back uh, on a separate. Maybe we can talk a little bit more about the veterans and that. And we'll try Chris on here on a future show as well. And John, I think it would be interesting maybe um, maybe later on in the year, maybe group back again, um, maybe for an update and talk about some things uh, as, as more you know, uh, development happens. Uh, maybe we can have uh, some additional conversation a little bit later in the year. How about that? Absolutely, absolutely. And and I know that we've also talked a little bit about talking about actual products and equipment that can help out too. So uh, keep listening for that. To be continued. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, again, Jonna, uh, David, Roger, Mary Beth, and Darren, thank you very much again for uh, for joining me tonight in Golf Talk. I, I truly have enjoyed thank it. You. And I know the, the listener, you. yeah, the listeners will enjoy it as well. And um, much uh, continued success for all of you, and, and keep up the hard work. And please uh, feel free to reach out to me anytime if there's anything that I can do to help. Um, uh, I, I think it's a, a great um, a great thing that you're all doing, and I think that the more that we can all work together and, and strive to, you know, um, open doors for, for those that maybe don't realize those doors uh, are there. Uh, and and I th- I think that's how you grow the game by opening those doors for for those that maybe haven't had the opportunity or maybe did at one time and maybe need to have that door opened again. So let's let's continue to work together. And as I said, Jonna, I'll have you guys back again maybe a little bit later on in the season as as more developments come through. But uh, and get an update, okay? Thank you so much. Thank you very much for the opportunity too. And uh, it's uh like I said, it's 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 a collaborative effort, and the more more opportunities we have to talk about this, the more awareness will be there and uh, the more motion will happen. Perfect. Okay, guys. Again, thank you very much for joining me tonight on Golf Talk Live. It's, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure and uh, I look forward to the next time. Have a great evening, everybody. Thank you. Good night. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Good night. Bye. Uh, all right. Good night. Okay, that was my very special guest uh, from the uh, Adaptive Golfer Summit Group, um, Jana Rojas, uh, David Windsor, and uh, Roger Sack, Mary Beth Koberger, 
and Darren Damali. Uh, great individuals, uh, certainly for um, putting a lot of great efforts into uh, helping some of those that face uh, both emotional and, and physical challenges out there, introducing to this great game. And, and as uh, it was mentioned earlier, you know, using it in some cases as a rehabilitation tool for those that maybe have had some difficult challenges along the way. Uh, I want to take this opportunity to um, also thank all of the listeners for faithfully tuning in uh, each and every week. I try to uh, keep things interesting and, and by bringing uh, some interesting guests on the show that have something a little bit different. It's not all about uh, how to fix the slice and, and how to, uh, to hit better golf shots, although that's uh, a, a certainly primary function here on the show as well. Uh, but I think, it, I think topics like we discussed tonight, uh, the Adaptive Golfers uh, uh, Summit, I think it's important that we share this information with as many people as we can. Um, there are uh, literally, in the, and we didn't get into all the, the facts and the figures and the numbers tonight, uh, unfortunately, but um, there are literally millions of, of individuals, uh, even just here in the United States, that, that fall uh, you know, into these various categories that we're talking about tonight, um, whether it be some wounded veterans or, or uh, in, in Gianna's case, that, that were born with uh, some, some uh, disadvantages or challenges. And, um, you know, they want to be active uh, in the communities as well. And particularly uh, many of them um, would probably love to play golf. And it's, it's our responsibility as golf professionals uh, and human beings to make that uh, available for, for them as well. So, uh, again, thank to all the listeners worldwide for faithfully tuning into Golf Talk Live each week. And I, I do truly have a great amount of pleasure and enjoyment of having a, hum- a number of highly talented coaches, teaching professionals, authors, entrepreneurs, and just great uh, people like tonight's guests um, stop by, and it's really through their participation and guest appearances that have helped make Golf Talk Live a first-class show. A uh, special thank you to some of the sponsors and supporters of the show, Mr. Jonathan Laird from South Coast Golf Guide. Uh, go to southcoastgolfguide.com, and uh, you can uh, check out some of the great courses that are here in the southeastern part of the United States. Uh, if you're interested, uh, you can go to South Coast Golf, southcoastgolfguide.com, and uh, you can actually request a copy if you're not down here in the south at the moment, but maybe you're planning on making a trip here, uh, whether it be Florida Georgia, um, Florida or Alabama, uh, Louisiana, Mississippi, and even right over to Texas. Uh, if you're coming into some of these southern states and you're looking to play some great golf, uh, you can actually request a copy of the guide be sent to you. Otherwise, you can just come down in most of the major condos and many of the golf courses here in the area, and Edwin Watts and some of the other golf shops uh, are carrying a copy of the guide. So uh, whether you get one sent to you or whether you pick one up when you're down here, make sure you go to southcoastgolfguide.com and check it out. My good friend, Mr. Jonathan Laird, will take very good care of you. Uh, thank you to Meredith Kirk as well from Meredith Kirk Golf, uh, Nikki and Tiffany Litherland. Uh, thank you for all of your help and support in spreading the word of, of uh, the show. Uh, Mr. Bernie Pinder, the uh, owner and, and founder of Ontic Golf. Uh, thank you, uh, Bernie, for all of your continued support of the year. Uh, years, uh, Mr. Sean Kelly from uh, LinkedGolfers.com, and of course my good friend Mr. Peter Doyle from Doyle Golf Solutions uh, over in Ireland. Thank you, uh, Peter, for all of your continued support. And I will be back next Thursday with uh, another round of uh, Coach's Corner. We'll be coming back next Thursday, plus uh, another interesting guest. So again, thank you to all of my guests this evening, and thank you to the listeners uh, for tuning in. God bless everybody. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you next week right here on Golf Talk Live. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.